1: Hello and welcome to Desert Isolation Discs. Thank you very much for listening. This is the show in which I cheekily rip off a familiar format to bring you the indispensable tunes of some of my favourite people. You can find a full archive of previous interviews on the podcast feed, on ACAST or on the website desertisolationdiscs.blogspot.com. If you have suggestions for great guests or are interested in appearing yourself, drop me a line on Twitter. I'm at, at Alex Shadowplay. My guest today takes the podcast to new highbrow heights and the show itself was recorded amongst his hordes of books in his office at Birkbeck, which is part of the University of London where he teaches creative writing. Toby Lit was first published in 1996 and has spent numerous novels, short stories and essays since discussing matters of life, death and most importantly, music. I love his books and I can't wait for you to listen to this one. He once said, to write competently is to do a few magic tricks for friends and family right well is to run away and join the circus so let's have a listen to this literary trapeze artist Toby, hi. hello <laughs> thank you for inviting me into your office here <laughs> uh,
0: you're, you're more than welcome many have passed through
1: <laughs> now i realize that this isn't a very fair task for me to ask of you actually because reading your blog uh, i remember back in the summer you said that um, you enjoy listening to music, particularly at other people's homes, and that relifts it for you. Now I'm casting you out into the desert and saying you're only allowed a few of them. Uh, how, how did you approach this uh, this
0: task? Well, the things that I've chosen are the life support recordings, probably, that they have a function, but but um, when we get to each of them, there'll be a reason. But I found it quite easy in the sense that I wasn't trying to convince anyone I wasn't saying these are the best or, or you know, that I, I wasn't trying to pick a, a list that was I- I- in any way um, uh, to, to do with communicating mm. it was just, okay, if I think back to what I've played the most mm. um, on my iPod um, and what do I turn to the most uh, then it's it's pretty simple though I've put in a couple of uh, oddities.
1: And one of the reasons I love your writing is that you are quite obviously passionate about music. What part does music play in your life now? When, when do you listen to music?
0: Well, all the time, really. Um, there's a bit of a battle in our kitchen between Radio 3 and Radio 4, <laughs> and I, I'm the Radio 3 person. That's what I would put on first thing in the morning. And I sometimes have nothing playing when i'm writing but most of the time i have something either just to um cover over things that are likely to be distracting in the background Mm. so i used to listen to a lot of what got called glitch but (sighs) but sort of non-rhythmical electronica so i knew that there would occasionally be bumps and, and and clashes and things but that they weren't um Obtrusive because I was expecting silence, you know. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not expecting silence. So I have a lot of work music mm. and I have playlists and I use Deezer. Uh,
1: so tell us about your opening track.
0: Well, um, Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields, The Beatles, which I have on vinyl which I'm pretty sure my dad would have bought when it came out mm. so it's the family copy and I got the family vinyl essentially it, it, it's something that I heard in my childhood it's about childhood and now when I hear it I'm hearing it years later and what's odd is that it, it wasn't a it wasn't brand new but it was pretty new mm. when I would have first heard it let's just mm. as, let's assume um, it was in the house, and and I was a, a, a toddler or something. I, it, it I was born in '68, so it, it was a year or two old. And when I first played it myself on a record player, I'd have been about ten, maybe. Mm. And now it's so much further in the past. And then you've got the the other side. You flip the the thing, and the world turns upside down. And 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 you've got Paul McCartney's much more sort of public and 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 chirpy view of things. Mm. And I, and and to me it's it's just it's a beautiful sort of infinite loop that I could sit there and turn from one to the other, yeah and I used to argue with myself, which is better you know Leonard <laughs> L- L- McCartney which which song do I like best which which view of the world and I think the thing is that it's almost in the in the turning over it's the point at which you, you you're accepting that they're, they're both there. Mm. Um, but I, it, 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 to get even more, I think in a way to do anything in writing that was equivalent mm. to the, the complete um, oddity and very amorphous sort of uh, world of Strawberry Fields and the catchy and personable side of, of Penny Lane and to have that within one thing and the, the satisfaction of... of it being for everyone mm. um, to, to do something, anything that came close to that would be success as far as I'm concerned okay. in, in, in any form of art but I'm not sure if you can because it was this particular moment in the 60s and mm. uh, and and all the things so shall I play it Absolutely. let
1: me take you down cause I'm going to strawberry feel Strawberry fields forever. Penny Lane, there is a fireman with an hourglass, and in his pocket is a portrait of a queen.
0: He likes to keep his fire engine clean. It's a clean machine. One of the things the Beatles meant to me when I was little, putting the records on, on, on. on the sort of portable record player, mm. was that there were certain moments which really scared me, almost in a horror movie way. And they're, they're, there's a bit in there, and it's this kind of sliding sound. Yeah, It's very acid, but it's almost as if the whole world is melting.
1: So, Toby, I'm interested in the relationship between your two great loves of music and writing. And obviously, you wrote, uh, you've written about music a lot, but particularly a um, fantastic novel. In, um, I play the drums in a band called OK, great book, absolutely love it. Do you approach that process in a particularly different way than you would writing about any other subject, or uh, is it a case of drawing on experience?
0: With that, it's a case of drawing on inexperience and and absolute um, yearning to have been what what I wasn't, which Mm. which would be uh, in a band that was successful to do very little else certainly when they're young than than be in a band mm. i wouldn't have chosen to be the drummer <laughs> um i uh i was a guitarist and uh, when i was at school or mm. even you know the age of sort of nine or ten that's that was a really big focus me and me and my friends were in bands uh we called one was called Senator, the Psychic Arabs. Um, one one was called uh, the Unhip. And um, what kind of style would you describe it? Uh, Senator were kind of prog. Yeah. they were all different. We mm-hmm. would, we we had a different style for each name, and sometimes we invent three new bands in an afternoon. <laughs> um,
1: what were you like as a teenager? What what were oh. you? Uh, what would you find you doing at
0: that time? Well, in my room. Um, I I went from state school to private school at the age mm. of 11. And so I'd been is just one of the kids at state school. And mm. I, I don't think that class or the kind of house my parents lived in or that kind of stuff had much effect. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying that come me being 13 or 14, it wouldn't have come into play. But there was a very definite division in my life yeah. between um, primary and middle school and secondary school. And where I lived, which was Amptill in Bedfordshire, mm. if you went to private school, you were posh. Right. It meant that immediately. So I went to being, from being just someone in the class who no one had paid much attention to to being posh immediately. But it also meant that I couldn't really be out now obviously if i was 11 or 12 I, I wasn't going to be in the pub but um really it, w- it wasn't a good idea just to be out <laughs> um and the older you got the, the the more extreme that became i did go to a school disco uh, not school disco a scout hut disco yeah once with some friends from my school we we're about 15 16 and we were into new romantics and yeah. we dressed up a lot we had eyeliner on we had Makeup, drawn coat hangers on our face and things, and um, pixie boots, and uh, I had hair. And we, we, um, we were a big hit with the Amptill girls, they'd seen nothing like this, and yeah. they, they, they quite liked the uh, kind of gender bending thing. And I was there with uh, my very good friend Adam and some, a couple of other boys from the same public school, mm. but we were in the wrong territory. And someone who was still friendly with me came up uh, during the disco and said, uh, I, I think you, you should leave, really. Um, so we did. He walked to the door and behind him, Adam and I, sort of shadowed him and then we fled, <laughs> um, not able to get words to the other guys. One of them came in the next day to school and said, you-, you you left, didn't you? I said, yeah, we got the word. He said, well, someone hit me with a baseball bat. Oh, my God. Um, for essentially for dressing up uh, in a new romantic way. So I was, at that time, I was avoiding the people with baseball bats. And that meant that, that I hard. had a lot of time in my room to do lots of things. So I was drawing things. I was, uh, I made a hat once. So <laughs> I did sewing. Uh, I was... Uh, listening to a massive amount of music, mm. and when I got my first proper stereo, mm. uh, the first thing I played on it was this. Fantastic. Fantastic. Berries. Lots more than I was at 50.
1: Fantastic tree by the Cocktail
0: Twins. Yeah, and um, I had a few records by them um, when I, when I was a teenager, and and they sort of do what did them what they do now, which is cocoon you in mm. in this incredible sound world and as this extraordinary voice. Um, but particularly that one, it has a kind of um, element like those BBC TV things where there were sort of children who got involved in some magical Victorian house. I grew up Mm. in that world myself because my father was an antique dealer. Our house was full of old furniture Mm. but also that my first five years were spent above an antique shop Mm. in in a small flat before my parents were able to afford to buy a house that that's where we lived so in a way being around a lot of old stuff that changed all the time because it was being sold or bought and sometimes um you know a a label would appear on something (laughs) a sold label Mm. and it would disappear from our lives and then another thing would appear in its place that that was very usual for me Mm. so i think i find something in there um, the iconography of them, although I think what someone coming to them now would hear is sort of big 80s drums and, and uh, but, but I, I, what I hear is a kind of attempt to do a wall of sound mm. and then in the middle of it to have a very vulnerable, extremely uh, quirk, qu- quirky, strong voice, but, but a voice that, that doesn't sound like any other voice. Mm. Uh, and that I don't care about the words, but I feel extremely sort of loved by the music and, mm. and protected by it.
1: So I want to talk about your writing, incredible body of work that you created. Famously, you uh, title your books in alphabetical order, but far more interesting than that. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, can get beyond that. Um, they're on such a broad um, set of subjects. You know, I indulged myself in rereading some of my favourites of yours in the last few weeks. And, and it always strikes me, the breadth of subjects you cover, whether it's um, music and rock and roll, whether it's uh, ghost stories or or um, lesbian chat forums, you manage to find a good breadth of uh, stories. And obviously, because you write so many short stories, you manage to sort of crowbar in plenty of different yeah. things. Is that a conscious thing that you set out to do? So many writers only write in a certain style or about certain subjects?
0: I don't know if it's... It wasn't conscious to start with. I think mm. um, partly it's music related again, mm. um, but not not maybe with a neat segue. Which is that mm. um, my idea of what an artist should do, I think, was very formed by Bob Dylan and, and David Bowie mm. and, and uh, Bowie, and, uh, and I, I think I, I um, liked the idea that an artist was new with each new work and that they they committed not to a consistent identity but to um identities that that, that each time they were fully inhabiting but that they'd leave behind mm. in a way if you look at say leonard cohen he's he's more like a one yeah dylan persona mm. um for a whole career not uh, and and he's the sort of Vertical, yeah. is it going going for the depth, whereas Dylan is maybe the horizontal. Mm. Um, and I, so for, for me, um, it's partly boredom, mm-hmm. and boredom with with the self, but also a sense that that's the that's the job. Mm. And there are other artists like Picasso or the, who who are who are protean, and that means that they need to. Uh, engage in metamorphosis in order for the the next thing to happen Mm. because they 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 can't redo art they can't redo the next thing by being the same person because it's it's about seeing where the the person you are is going to go next that's 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 the the job and i i envy but I don't want to be the people who have a very consistent uh, identity because it makes them very easy to identify and um, for people to go there mm. for a thing. So I'm reading a Lee Child novel, Make Me, at the moment, which is the one that there's a book about, which is mm, cool. called Reacher said nothing, and I'm, I'm I'm thinking of using them to to teach with and and. If you go to Lee Child, you know what you're going to get. Mm. He can he can move things around a bit in each book, but essentially same main character, same voice. Um, and you can go to that for the same kind of security and reassurance I found in the cocktail Twins, even if yeah. it's about murder and, and nasty things going on. And th- this is ritual reading. It's exactly the same for horror fiction as it is for romance. Yes. Um, but I... Find that, that what I end up doing is literally herring around.
1: I'm interested. To tell you, what what does being a professional author in 2016 actually entail? <laughs> you know, it's, it's seen as a very sexy career, as it were, and people <laughs> don't, uh, and yes, don't quite understand what it takes to to get published. Uh, but what does it actually mean for you on a practical level? Uh, does it get any easier?
0: No, that's not special pleading. Mm. I, I think um, all uh, royalty-dependent or mm. ad, advanced-dependent uh, writers, musicians, whatever, are having a, a, a time where the world is being scrambled and, mm. and, and it hasn't settled, it's it's, it's not settling. Um, and so most of us are unsettled in... in in that way I mean I have a you're in my office mm. I, I, I have a, a half a point five teaching job and mm. that that's part of the answer part of the answer is that I I teach and I talk about being a writer and I do uh, this and that yes. which are are not prose fiction so it's not a short story or it's not a novel so mm. I did a comic called Dead Boy Detectives for twelve yes. months I did a a graphic novel, which was completing something Neil Gaiman started uh, a long time ago, which came out as um, Children's Crusade, which was uh, very interesting, fitting bits in. And I've also written song lyrics and yes. l- a libretto for a full-length opera. Now that there are people who probably hear that and just think wanker or show off, or uh, <laughs> but I think most writers now. Um, can't just be in a in a groove of producing one thing. Yeah, my life would have been easier <laughs> if I'd rewritten the same book. Uh, I always think I think of Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks on her solo albums used to do a sort mm. of uh, countryish song, and I always felt Stevie was hedging her bets <laughs> that, that if if the whole kind of touring again with Fleetwood Mac thing <laughs> fell through, yeah. That she would just go full on country.
1: Yeah. So, what's your next track that you've got
0: for us, Toby? Uh, this one's Nick Drake, Time Has Told Me. Time has told me. You're a fine Trouble cure. troubled mind Time has told me not to ask for more For someday I
1: was uh, that was fantastic to enjoy listening to uh, nick drake's times told me whilst having a natter about him in the office toby um what do you love about that song
0: for me uh, it's about falling in love with someone mm. um and also staying with someone with se- sort of separate things mm. but i there was someone i i did once meet and i i thought about them through that song mm. um and i think did you get uh, your
1: heart broken too
0: did yes didn't didn't it was just it was just falling in love uh, without any uh special um measures (laughs) he seems to be singing privately Mm. and because he was although he 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 was clearly working with you know john Cale and people like that but he, he he was not unknown but he's a discovery and even yeah. even now even if you know I'm, I, even if someone heard, heard him through seeing a Volkswagen ad on on YouTube they're, yeah. they're still feeling alright he, he is, is speaking uh, about about things I understand and mm. he's I think the the more um, remarkable thing about him is that how English it is yeah how restrained it is, but it, he's almost the most blues um, artist I can think of in the in the way of the Robert Johnson sort of thing. Yeah. Being being un- unapologetic about being English, a bit posh, yeah. very r- restrained, very pastoral. Although, although I think one of the, you know mm-hmm. one of the albums is uh, is kind mm-hmm. of city London London album. But to to me, it, it's um train music i'm a guitarist i i would worship that that guitar playing is is completely unshowy yes but t- completely unbelievable as as a as a technical feat mm. um that he he was using really thick strings he was really weird time signatures he was sort of accompanying himself based and travel lands and, and it sounds like the most beautiful flow
1: yeah so um so we sat in your office at boat but i'm surrounded by hordes and hordes of books they're great you've talked me through your collection an obvious question when people talk about it being difficult to teach creative writing mm. that task falls upon your shoulders how do you approach this it? evening it's my first
0: <laughs> my first class with a new class mm. and how, how do i approach it i think that there are are things that are very basic about writing that you can teach to a class which contains someone who wants to write a historical novel mm. set in the elizabethan period someone who wants to write a crime novel that gets to number one in W. Smith. Yes. Someone who wants to write something um well you could call it experimental or avant garde, someone mm. who wants to write something um, non fictional and very confessional about themselves. Yeah. There there are basic technical things, and to call them technical, but it it's it people immediately think, well it's writing. What do you mean? It's not like taking mm. apart a car. But there there are elements of it that are taking apart a car like for example point of view Mm. and there are a lot of rules and conventions to do with point of view that i i think are our contemporary equivalent of writing in um rhyming couplets for for the 18th century and all the kind of elegancies Mm. that um were expected of pope and dryden Mm. our equivalent of that is um not shifting around randomly between first and third person, being consistent, Mm. um, having the reader know where the voice is in relation to them. Mm.
1: You wrote a fantastic piece for The Guardian about bad writing. but You you basically said that um, most bad writing was simply boring. Uh, How brutal are you with your students? Do you you tell them when it's
0: boring? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if I've ever that directly this would be the room in which i said it obviously uh, Mm. uh, uh, when when they're away from other people in the group Mm. i i think um what what you need to to do is to engage writers that you're teaching or or Mm. or, or talking to on the level of themselves as readers and and if you if you get them to read themselves Mm. as if they hadn't written it and there's there's ways of doing that you can get them to read it aloud you can get someone to read it to them Mm. um or or you can say well you you you've told me that the thing that you most want to write is something a bit like this Mm. well let's take the first three pages of that and let's take the first three pages equivalent number of words of what you've done and let's just see what's going on and in almost all cases the the published thing, the thing that is, is, the, is the desired kind of writing, mm. um, has more going on. But I honestly think that that I was terrible, <laughs> boring, uh, unworthy of anyone's attention. Person when I started writing, and that's why I wanted to write. I mm. wanted to. Exist in words in a way that was more interesting than the way I existed in the world. Yes, and I worked at it as hard as I could, and I may, I may have succeeded, I may have not. So, what's your next piece of music? My next one is uh, "In Time" by Sly and the Family Stone, because I need some fun. By the Mickey in the tasting of disaster, and time, in time, you get faster. As if it has to Go faster Nathan Nathan
1: Slides am um, staying with in time uh, what makes you love that one Tim?
0: the bass the world of it, it again it's it's about a, a sort of bubbling um, slightly amorphous thing but it, it's got it's got the funk I and mean, it's obviously that's that's the rhythm but also every part of it is just coming in not predictably and not st- st- starchily or anything but but spontaneously to to make a little contribution, the horns, the bass, whatever, mm. and and it and it all kind of big gumbo. It's this big kind of mass of sound mm. that you could dance to, or, or, or that can sort of transport you, and and that feeling that yeah, the fu- the funk thing, which is it's both fun. Mm. It's but it's funky. It's scary. It's it's um, something um, that that doesn't take itself seriously. I mean, if you yeah, can think of exactly. George Clinton or the, those groups, I mean, they were absolute party bands, and yeah. they make they make kind of the village people well, who were ripping off the way they dress mercilessly. <laughs> but they they make them look completely wild. They're descending to stage on spaceships and stuff, <laughs> saying something really, you know big in that a sort of afro-futuristic way so if, yeah. if i'm thinking about being uh, isolated and having no one around i would need something to to dance to mm. <laughs>
1: so i'm um, keen to ask a question for the super fans and toby who've devoured all your work as i'm sure plenty have uh, is there a particular novel or collection of writings that you look on with re- with real pride that you're most proud of or that you have the biggest emotional connection to i know
0: Obviously, ghost I, stories. Yeah. Um, I think ghost story for me, um, maybe dead kid songs for other people. Mm. I, I don't know. Uh, that seems to be, the dead kid song seems to be the one where people response is, oh, it reminds me of growing up. Mm. Uh, and they have a very uh, big connection with it. In a, in a way that sometimes I find surprising, in that it will be. Uh, a woman and they say oh you know it reminds me of, of me and me and my friends who, yeah. were, who were girls and i wrote that book as a very male yes book absolutely. where the the, the mother in the in the families are, are, are deliberately excluded almost in the tom and jerry way where you only see the the, the ankles and the, yeah. you never see the face you know ne- uh that it it seemed to me it was about being a boy I, while I was re- writing it in the, in the UEA library I went up to finish it at, on the campus at UEA because I'd i done the creative writing course there and I knew that there were these rooms mm. I, I'd had one of these rooms you could stay in for a bit um, in the library I came across a, a book about the boy book as a subgenre. genre mm. oh right, I didn't even know this, this thing existed mm. um, that's what I was trying to do and I think I, I put in but also perverted a whole lot of stuff about my growing up. Yeah. Um, Ghost Story has the hair in it, uh, which, which is a sort of story, but, but also autobiographical. And that, that's one of the things that I think is, comes closest to doing what, when I, when I talk about writing in, in say, Mutants, or it's,
1: Wherever you listen to podcasts,
0: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com is more obviously doing the thing I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm describing. Mm. Whereas I think some of the stories in Life Like or um, I play the drums, they're they're, they're fairly conventionally. Um, narrated, they're they they're not experimental informed, they're mm. they're more realist and, and um and I I think there's there's those and then there's a few stories. Mm. This is a link. I, I wrote a um, a song, words for a song, mm. um called At the Edge of the Field, which was recorded by a band called Lady Mazory. And yes. and in that song um I I finally sort of identified something I'd been after for a long, long time, which was the idea of where do I want to be? And it partly came from the train journeys and the listening to Nick Drake, but also there's a uh, Nabokov has a paragraph about it in a short story um, about looking from a train and seeing the place you want to be and knowing that you're not there, that you're on the train, you're moving away from it, even as you see it. Mm. And that where, where is that place? You know, what, what is it um, that looks so uh, that that when you look at it, you think, Oh, I would be happy there if I were not on this train. I mean, I'm happy on trains, but and I realized that where I wanted to be was at the edge of a field the the places that fascinate me are are where the the field with the crops or the the, the crops that have been cut meets a sort of fence that's obviously broken or something <laughs> and then goes into this dark mm. thing and so I wrote I wrote this song and in a way that that's the thing that I feel well that's very old-fashioned it could be like a Walter de la Mer thing or and mm. it? it's meant to be sung um, is where i think oh right that's where i was sort of heading and i put in some of the things like the hair um uh, and it's meant to be the last song of a requiem mm. which was written partly uh, for my mother but mm, who, who who died of cancer but but more just as a, as a requiem you know that people could use but then uh, the idea was that it would be a domestic requiem mm. that people could do it in their house and that it starts with the singers outside so they're a bit like carol singers and the mm. first one song is sung outside and then you in, invite them in and, and the, by the end of the song they're in the living room or wherever they're going to sing in the kitchen whatever yeah. and then then for the friends of the person who's died they they sing this requiem, which is about memory, and and that you could do it, and people could speak in between sections. Mm. Um, but the end, it's it's not really about uh, going to heaven, you know. It's not a requiem mass to help someone get to heaven. But that song is sort of about meeting, and where where would you meet? Well, it, and I I like the idea. In the first line anyway at the edge of the field it could be from physics <laughs> it could be the 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 edge of a magnetic field or something mm. like that but but you're you're at this transitional thing mm. that that's if you're going to meet someone uh who's dead who's a ghost then you'll meet them on the yeah. in the liminal space and and that's the edge of the field but um i was going to play A song that Lady Mays recovered by Kate Bush, this, this woman's work. I
1: know you have a little life in you yet. I know you have a lot of strength left. I know you have a little life. So, Toby, we, we're coming towards the end here, but I want to talk about what you're working on now. You, I, I think you're up to P, aren't you, uh, in, in your alphabetical... Um,
0: yes, um, although... Uh, well, uh, you're very clued in. O, mm-hmm. o is, well, should be another collection of stories, mm. vowels being short stories. Um, P could be a number of things. Mm-hmm. But I'm working on... At the moment, a non-fiction, non-alphabetical book, uh, which is about my great-great-great-grandfather, who was a champion mm. wrestler, cum- Cumbrian wrestler. Of so uh, that's Wrestiana. And Gally Beggar will do that um, when when I finished it. Um, and but and it's your involved,
1: grandmother was quite a character as well. Wasn't she? Yes, you, she you got quite a dynasty.
0: <laughs> she, but she she married a lit. She wasn't a lit. So mm. I'm, to, I'm to, talking about the the lit line and mm-hmm. the male line. No, my My grandmother, who was called Gra in our family, Mm. um, a a sort of word I haven't really come across elsewhere. She lived to 105 and um, was born at the turn of the century. So every year was the year of her age. You know, 1914, Mm. she was 14, Um, and she had a very good memory. And I did interview her about. The beginning of the First World War because she was in the area, as <laughs> they say, she heard the the opening salvos, she saw the first, um, or she heard anyway, the first uh, air war that that ever took place. She was she was in a a, a nunnery, uh, being educated by Belgian nuns, and and she uh, sort of wrote something about it in her diary, and when she came back to England, her father went out. Sort of got a train carriage to bring back all these um, convent girls. Mm. Was on one of the last civilian trains out of out of the country because the Germans essentially were invading. Mm. And um, was at a hotel in London, and a reporter came and said, "Can we speak to your daughter about the the start of the war in Europe?" And he said, "No, she's too tired." But here's her diary, and it was published. Yeah. Um, it was published both in the uh, blackpool newspaper and i think the new york post mm. as a early report on the the war in europe that obviously no one had any idea what it meant yes. but it was all very new uh, mm. particularly the idea that um you know, someone had dropped from the sky in and in a um they've been shot down or something and, yes. uh, and that they were uh being treated by the nuns, both both Germans and, and uh, Belgians, and so she gives a very clear eyewitness account of that. And then, in a way, that was her life's most exciting point. Yeah. And she married my grandfather and uh, quite we're at a very early age. She also had a, a vulgar cruise through Leninist Russia, but sadly <laughs> I didn't really get her on record. I think she took the odd walk on the, in the Russian countryside, but, but yes. she, she was there um, very shortly after the revolution, travelling yes. traveling down um, to uh, Constantinople. I think. Mm. So, so she had this sort of amazing uh, life up until... Well, it's not that her life wasn't amazing, but she lived incredibly yeah. quietly mm. for the rest of her life, in basically in the same house for over 80 years.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, well, She was my Victorian. The... <laughs> I knew
0: a Victorian.
1: Um, and so, back to the podcast then. Yeah. So the, uh, I've been very cruel, obviously, cast you into the desert. Um, but I am generous, so I'll give you the complete Red Dwarf box set. The tiger came please, to tea that I'm please, sure will keep, please, stimulate your littering mind. Can I swap it? <laughs> do, you, um, do you want any other luxuries?
0: I would like a lute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not great on the guitar, but I do play it. Mm. But even if all the strings broke, it would be nice to look at. Mm. And uh, I, I think it's got to be a useless thing. and uh, and a genuine luxury the only other possibility would be an infinite jar of marmalade Um, but uh, something that that seems to be a luxury even if you looked at it from a distance rather than (laughs) oh i could use this to hit something with that would that would be it
1: great choice and and you've got a fantastic piece of music to to finish off um, the podcast with, haven't you? I, I just want to say thank you so much for, for doing it. It's been fascinating to listen to you. And uh, yeah, what's your last
0: chance? No, thank on? you for letting me talk uh, about my, <laughs> it's cool. what used to be my specialist subject. Um, <laughs> I um, came across uh, this next, uh, not artist, this singer um, and composer is called Comitas Gomitas. Um, in a record shop in Yerevan in Armenia. I was there for the British Council. I was uh, doing something completely unconnected to music, but I did what I like to do, which is um, go and ask what the oldest recordings they have in wherever I am. Um, And this was one of the things they played. After they played us some things from sort of the 1980s, (laughs) um, this voice came through, and I ended up making a radio programme about him. In very, very sketchy terms, he had a, a life that was incredibly tragic and comitas. Mm. Uh, he was a priest. Um, he wrote down folk songs of uh, Armenians in the same way that Bartok did. and uh, uh, He transcribed them, and they're, they're an eerie place in between East and West. Mm. And all of that would be entirely irrelevant if I didn't think that for the recorded sound and the voice and the intensity of it. This is the most powerful but bluesy, um, soulful thing that I've ever heard and um, in Journey Into Space I called my spaceship that was going off into nowhere the armenia <laughs> and that was for a reason and when i was writing it i was listening to cometats to to give myself the feeling of uh, uh going off into big big nothing
1: i could think of no better place to finish <laughs> eu vou simorça por amor de latiniza por amor não vou trabalhar vou Oh, yeah. la hora, hora de la hora,